when I started to remember and when my sister started to remember, we were triggered into our memories. So we ended up seeing another person, um, another extended family member that really creeped us out. And so that wasn't the person that did it, but it really, it began to spark in us those memories. Anger and fear were probably the two biggest things that I dealt with when I was in junior high having these memories. I pushed my sister away. I pushed my parents away. But strangely enough, the only person I did not push away was Jesus. Has Jesus transformed your life? If he has, then I want to share your story. My name is Kelly, and I'm a new Christian who has been through a full heart change recently since I truly accepted the gospel. A huge part of my faith transformation was hearing others' testimonies. Now here I am, ready to share yours and keep the good news spreading. On this podcast, I will read your submitted stories and have you on to share them yourself. My goal is to give back in hopes it helps others grow in their faith. Welcome to Tell Me Your Testimony. Hi friends, Kelly here. Just a quick note, some topics discussed may be sensitive to some listeners. I keep the language clean, but there are adult themes involved. Please be advised this podcast is for adult audiences only. Thank you. Now on to the episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Tell Me Your Testimony. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Lauren Nelson, and she is the author of Sheroes of the Bible. We found each other on Facebook and on Instagram. Uh, Yeah, she wants to come on and tell her story. So she actually has two testimonies to share. The first one is going to be when she is younger and just how she found Christ. And the second one is going to be her inspiration on how she became an author. So I'm going to go ahead and let Lauren take over and she's going to share her story. So go ahead, Lauren. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, my name is Lauren Nelson, like she said, and I um, am the mother of two. I've got two kiddos. Um, I have a daughter who is 13, almost 14, and then a son who is nine. And I'm married to a pastor. We pastor a church together here in Washington state. That's kind of where I'm coming from in my life right now. It's busy and fun. So I'll just start from the beginning with my childhood. I was raised in a Christian home. Um, My dad, he loved to read me Bible stories at night. Uh, It was a really fun time together that we spent. It was me and him and my twin sister. It's just the two of us and my dad and my mom. But my dad spent that special time with us reading Bible stories from a children's book. And so it was just a special time together where he helped me really to see that these people from the Bible were ordinary, normal people like you and me that God did extraordinary things through. And so that was a really huge foundational point for me in realizing that. For me, you know, I had a fairly normal daily life, but when we would go and visit some extended family members in another state, uh, everything really changed for me. So in my immediate home, 
things were loving and safe. But when we would travel across the United States, we would go and stay with some family. And when we would stay there, I am being kind of general because I don't want to say, you know, who it is. But when we would stay in their home, they had a son who lived nearby and he was an adult and he would use a key uh, that he had to the house and come in the middle of the night And he would take my sister and I out of the home. You know, my parents were asleep. The other family that we were staying with was asleep. Nobody knew. So it was a secret, but we would be taken in the middle of the night and we'd be driven actually to another location in an area nearby. This place in this location, there was, there were other people there. So there were lots of, there were, there were men, there were women. And then unfortunately there were also other children that were there. And this person who would take us there, it was actually him and his wife that would do this. Um, they would take us and there was basically satanic ritual abuse that was happening in this place. So they were worshiping the enemy and they were doing that through various ways. But, um, you know, it came across, basically it, it, it impacted me emotionally, physically, um, there was, you know, there was sexual abuse as well. And so it was a very, very impacting. I was between the ages of four and six when it happened, We when we would visit. So we'd visit probably once a year. So it happened between two to three times. Yeah. So when we were there, it was just, there There was the, the mental play that they would do, which would be like really basically to say the enemy is bigger than God. God isn't going to help you. He's not going to come through for you. And so that affected both men, you know, mentally it was difficult, but then also spiritually really hard as well. And that doesn't even, doesn't even include the sexual abuse and the, and the difficult stuff that happened with that. So it was very impacting. This person would say, you know, if you tell anybody, I'll kill you or I'll kill your family. You learn as a child, kids, our brains, the way God made us, he really allows us to be able to forget for our own safety sometimes as well. And so my sister and I actually, he would take both of us. And so we were both there and both experienced it. And we both repressed our memories. We, We forgot what happened until we were in junior high. Kind of those years between six years old and junior high, there was kind of somewhat normal daily life because we had really forgotten about it. When I started to remember, and when my sister started to remember, we were triggered into our memories. So we ended up seeing another person, another extended family member that really creeped us out. And so that wasn't the person that did it, but it really, it began to spark in us those memories. For my sister, the way that she dealt with things was really healthy. I mean, she, she, we both told our parents what happened. Um, The memories that we had that came back at first weren't of the ritual abuse. It was just of the sexual abuse. So we would, we told our parents of that. Um, My mom and dad got us involved in a counselor. So we, in counseling. And so we met with a counselor and uh, my sister was really open with the counselor, open with my parents, just processed it in a really healthy way. For me, I did not, I clammed up and really would not, would not talk to anybody. I got really angry. Anger and fear were probably the two biggest things that I dealt with um, when I was in junior high having these memories. I pushed my sister away. I pushed my parents away. But strangely enough, the only person I did not push away was Jesus. And the reason that was, was because he had made himself known to me from the time that I was really little. I 
found that he was a safe place. Um, even when I was going through all that, I remember him coming to me in dreams. Um, I had dreams of him showing me my calling. Just simply put, I was setting the captives free in these dreams. I was four years old when I had these dreams and he just really made it clear to me that I belonged to him and that, um, that he was good and loving and he was my father. And it just, I just knew he was safe. And so I ended up really falling on him and really just expressing my grief and my fear and talking to him all the time. Uh, another way that he really made himself known to me when I was younger was I read, I had a hymnal cause I was raised Lutheran and I had a hymnal that I remember reading. I barely knew how to read. I was probably, you know, six or seven when I was reading this, but you know, I'm reading it and, and there's the song in there talking about the feast and what we're going to experience in heaven with Jesus and this victory feast. And I remember just crying when I was reading it and I didn't understand it at the time. I thought it was so weird that I was crying, but it was the Holy Spirit. So it was my first experience, my first real encounter with the Holy Spirit of, of knowing his love for me. Also the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia, that was another way that the Lord really revealed himself to me. And I, and I found comfort in learning more about Aslan. And for those of you who've read the the books, Aslan, the way that the author wrote about him, he wanted to give us a really good perspective and understanding of Jesus. Aslan was supposed to be Jesus. It was our way of understanding him. So I just found a lot of escape. You know, I could escape through those books in junior high. I could encounter the Lord uh, through the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and the various uh, stories of the Chronicles of Narnia. So he really just was there for me. I experienced him in so many ways. The fear was unreal. It was really difficult. I, I felt like I couldn't go outside my house without fear of being kidnapped or killed. Um, I couldn't go for walks with friends without the same fears happening. I was afraid that somebody would come and kill my family. I didn't fully understand how that related to the abuse that I went through because when most people talk about sexual abuse, it, it's not quite as sinister and like, I don't know if that makes sense, satanic. You know, it's evil. It's so evil. Anybody who has experienced sexual abuse knows that it is evil and the enemy comes through and he brings shame and fear and all sorts of things. But this, these feelings of like fear of my own life or fear of other people dying just didn't seem to fit with that. And I didn't understand or know where to put that until later when I got more memories and understood where that came from. So really just processed through that fear with the Lord, but I was still very bound by it. So my relationship with Jesus in, in junior high and high school was very private. Like I just had a private relationship. It was just me and him. When I went to college, I experienced a pastor. He preached and he was really more like an evangelist and that he had gathered this, this crowd of people at my college to come and listen to him. And I really didn't know what I was going to. I had been invited by a friend and I I didn't really want to go, but then they kind of got mad at me <laughs> for not going. And so I went, I'm so glad I did, but you know, so the Lord can use <laughs> strange ways to get you places. But I, I went, I didn't know what I was going to. And all of a sudden this, this preacher is talking about the, the full gospel and that, that Jesus died for me and the extreme things that he experienced on the cross and all of it and what he had done for me, that he had died for me. And he said, I, I, I don't want us to just close our eyes and bow our heads and, and have you raise your hand 
to accept Jesus. If you want to receive Christ, I want you to stand on your feet and make a bold declaration. And so for me, I didn't even have to think about it. I just was on my feet I'm like, what am I doing? But I was standing and it was like, there was just light all around. I mean, it just was such a holy moment. And turns out there were hundreds standing up behind me. So they were standing as well. But I just had this encounter with the Lord where I, it was a public declaration of, I am yours. Uh, I'm surrendering my life to you. This is no longer just about me telling you when, when life is hard or that I need you to, to, to help, you know, help comfort me. This is about you did this for me and now my calling is to surrender my life to you. And so that's that was my breakthrough moment in surrendering my life to Jesus. And then from that point forward, you know that it's a daily decision to surrender. <laughs> it's not just a one-time decision, but it that was my my major uh, life life changing life changing direction you know of my of a moment uh, and so I got plugged in from that point forward I got plugged into a church uh, in the area that I was going to college and I encountered friends that really wanted to know me and they wanted to know what I went through and they sat and they listened and they prayed with me through every fear and through everything that would come up. Um, the pastors in the church, and then as well as people my own age, we were being taught how to how to pray for each other and how to experience freedom in Christ through just bringing our our burdens to Him and asking God to speak to our hearts. You know, if there was areas that we needed freedom in, and so that's that's what we did. And I experienced a huge amount of freedom through that. Uh, there were times in those prayer times that I remember just closing my eyes and I would see Jesus present with me. So basically I would be like this little girl. I would see myself as this like four and five-year-old girl and I was just dirty and I was, cause you just feel so much shame uh, when you experience that kind of stuff. And so for me, I felt so shameful and so dirty and Jesus just, he just reached out for me and, and held me and was not not taken aback or pushed away from the way that I felt. And so I, and I also began to experience him as being there with me through the abuse. And I began to realize that he was there. One time when I was praying, I remember seeing a picture of my sister who was about four or five, of course, at the same time as the abuse, because we were twins, but she was sitting in the Lord's lap and he was playing with her. What I realized in that picture was that her body was being abused at that time, but her spirit was with the Lord and he was tickling her and making her laugh. And I'm just like, Lord, that's so your heart. And I remember a mentor that I was working through the abuse with, she had said to me like, Lauren, I hope you know that if he did that with her, he did that with you. You maybe aren't ready to see that yet, you're not ready to see that Jesus had your spirit and was laughing with you and with you during that as well, but he was. So that's what he, it's just such a, a beautiful picture of what he does for those of us that have gone through pain and trials that he, he is with our spirit, even if things are happening to us that are so against our, our will. And so that was a beautiful uh, a moment of healing 
for for me. So I just I I just experienced him in so many beautiful ways throughout those prayer times, and it just was it was life changing. So then I then I got married, and I experienced more love, and it just was crazy for someone to know me fully. Like you can't hide when you're married. You're living with the person. He knew everything and all of my my quirky ways and all of my issues, and he loved me regardless. And so that was just another level of going, okay, Jesus, thank you that if a man can love me like that, how much more does Jesus? And so it it was really, really healing. So that was kind of my, that was my journey. And throughout college, I, I began to get more and more memories. And that's when the memories of the satanic stuff came back. And then I got more memories of that after I got married and we, I got involved with another counselor that helped me process. And it was a special type of counseling where we would pray and we would say, okay, God, we invite you into these memories. Show us where you were, show us where you were in these memories. And so I actually started to get more memories back, bad memories back, but I was able to see Jesus with me through it. And so it was incredibly healing to, to experience that kind of counseling and the way that that counseling, you know, even scientifically, what it does is it creates like new neural pathways. I'd never heard that before, but it, it does. And so what would happen is I didn't have any positive memories from childhood. It was all covered by a cloak of darkness for me. And that's all I could remember was bad. But when we began to go through these memories and I got these new, you know, neuro pathways or whatever the right word is for it, I started to get really good, normal childhood memories back as well. So I had a lot of, you know, just redemption in that to be able to remember Christmas and and fun memories with my dad and my mom and things that before, again, it was just covered by a cloak of shame and heaviness. So a lot of healing, but it was quite the journey. Uh, when you when you go through such a thing like that, there's moments of powerful deliverance, but then there's continuing to walk it out and learn to say yes to Jesus and no to my fears. That's one last thing I want to say about that is just that I had to learn. So for example, I would be hugging my husband and just enjoying a moment with my husband. And then all of a sudden I'd get a thought, oh, he's going to die tomorrow. Oh my gosh, he's going to die. And then it's covered with sorrow. You better enjoy this time together because this is the last time you're going to have together. And so it feels so real. And it's like, oh, you know, and then it's just this normal, happy, loving moment is turned into this sad thing. And so I had to learn to recognize it and say, no, he's alive. Things are good. Life is happy. Like, thank you, Jesus, for this moment and for my husband. And then come right back into laughter and joy because we laugh a lot together, my husband and I. Uh, and so the enemy wanted to come and put a heavy, wet blanket on us. And no, I, I had to choose. So there is that there's a there's that balance of, you know, asking for forgiveness, for allowing the shame and for allowing the fear into my life, even though I didn't. I didn't let those things happen to me. I, but, but by the ways that I'm allowing those spirits to stay in my life, I had to really begin to say no and let go of those and say, I choose Jesus. I'm choosing hope. And so there's a powerful combination between our mind and our choices along with fighting in the spiritual, if that makes sense. First of all, I, Wow, I am so sorry that happened to you. Thank you for sharing because I'm sure that's 
you know, hard to go back there and share. You're welcome. Yeah, I'm just, I'm so sorry. <laughs> the other thing I want to, I want to ask is, um, how's your sister doing? She is doing really well. Uh, she actually has a counselor that, spe- you know, specifically uh, is trained in, you know, coming out of ritualistic abuse, satanic ritual abuse. So that's the way that the Lord kind of navigated her through the time. But yeah, again, we just very, we're very different people. We live very different lives, but God has helped both of us in those ways. So we, we both have families. We're both married, uh, you know, and living, living good lives. That is so awesome to hear. I know there's so many people who don't, who go through something like that and they go the other way. They run from Jesus and their life just crumbles. Right. So um, I'm so happy that you both are are doing well after that. Me too. And it's so cool to look back and see how Jesus has helped you through that in different ways. He's opened your eyes to memories that you wouldn't have seen if not um, through that healing. Right. And I can, I can understand if you have something traumatic like that happen to you, you look back and it's just like negative. You don't know really why. And you kind of carry that through whatever you're doing in your life. So that's really great that he helped you heal, helped you have better memories, not just yeah. that one. And that's, that's really amazing. Amen. The other thing I wanted to touch on is the fact that you can stop those intrusive thoughts. Because he's trying to steal from you. He's trying right. to steal the joy and the peace and the happiness that only Jesus can bring. Right. And the fact that you can stop that in the moment is really great. And um, hopefully that helps somebody too. Is that they're listening, they may have these intrusive thoughts. Yeah. No matter what kind of trauma they're going through. I've had that before and you're just like what the heck I know I know and and for me I needed to I needed to be open and honest and share with somebody so I would encourage people talk to I would say a pastor or someone of that nature who will be able to carry the weight of what you what you need to share with them but then also that they will pray with you through it first because we have to dismantle the spiritual side of things there is spirit there is a very real enemy and there is God and the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what the Bible tells us. And so if we recognize that there's an enemy that wants to destroy us, he comes through shame. He comes through fear and anger and hopelessness and anxiety. And he brings all these things. And if we can bring those to Jesus and dismantle the enemy, like rebuke him and get him off, then we can begin to deal with those intrusive thoughts. But we have to recognize that first it's spiritual. Then we can go, okay, Lord, help me one moment at a time to take captive my thoughts. Because what, what it does is you get stronger and stronger and stronger in it. It's not just a one and done. I hope that was clear (laughs) through my long process of healing that, that it was not one and done, but it's Jesus. I'm getting stronger and stronger. The more in the spirit, the more that I say no to those. And I love that those intrusive thoughts, that's the word, you know, and those intrusive thoughts, when they come in, we say no to them and we, we make them submit to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I told, I know it is an ongoing process. It's not a quick thing that you're traumatized and then you're the next day you're doing this. It does take a lot of time and healing. So yes, yes. The fact that you, you got married and you found 
a husband that supports you and yeah. truly knows you. Yeah. Uh, that is amazing. I can relate to that. Amen. <laughs> <don't>, Amen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when, they, when they know all of your stuff and they love you anyway, and it totally puts in perspective the love of Jesus for yes. you. And accepting that can be hard sometimes. Absolutely. That, mm-hmm, that guilt comes in and you're like, I'm no one to be loved gotta stop it (laughs) yes yeah or even when the ickiness comes to the surface I've had times when it's just oh my ickiness is so out in the open and I remember my husband saying like let me in Lauren let me come into the mess and as we were praying I remember just seeing a picture of in my mind of just like this garbage dump and I am sitting in the middle of it in the middle of this nasty yucky garbage dump but my husband is like let me in let me climb in with you and and it's very vulnerable to be known right Mm -hmm. to be fully known and even to be fully loved it's just it's vulnerable and so it's making that choice to go, okay, yes, I will let you in. And for those of you who maybe aren't married or maybe you are married, but your relationships, your relationship looks a little different than that. It's even saying like, even for a friend, you know, a girlfriend saying, Hey, I'm going to let you into my heart. I'm going to trust you with these jewels, you know, these hard things that I've gone through. And will you pray with me or will you, will you help love me in the middle of this? And, and trying that with your husband as well, because obviously that's, that's your, that's supposed to be your best friend that you process through. But if it isn't like emotionally, you're not on the same page with that at the moment, there's other people that God gives you other women to walk alongside you. If you're a woman and if you're a man, you know, men to walk alongside you with that. That's truly a treasure too. Yeah. Yes. And, and the enemy wants you alone. Yes. Yes. Cause he can pick you off if you're by yourself, but if you've got somebody speaking truth into you and helping remind you of who you are and loving you through it, that is powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now, um, I want to kind of get into how you became an author. You, you mentioned that, um, you got married, you found your husband and he kind of helped you with this. So I'm going to let you share that part of your testimony as well. Thank you. So, you know, after I had my, I had my two kiddos, they were pretty young. Uh, One was probably around two. The other one was around six. And, and I was just feeling a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. When you go through abuse that as a child, it can affect your, uh, the way that your hormone levels, your cortisol levels, all that stuff can be really affected by that. So my, my hormones were all out of whack. Things were going crazy. And then add on top of it, having children can mess with that as well. So it was, it was a tough time. And that was around the same time that I was going through the counseling and things. So I was diving in deep with some, with some difficult stuff. But one night my husband just, he knew I was just at my lowest. And he said, Lauren, let's pray. (laughs) Let's pray. And let's ask the Lord see if he wants to whisper anything to our hearts and see if he wants to say anything. So I said, okay, kind of reluctantly, because I was feeling really hopeless. And when you feel hopeless, you don't feel like anything can help. I said, okay. And so we closed our eyes and we're just waiting to hear if God wanted to whisper anything to our hearts. And my husband, after a couple minutes, he lifted up his head and he said, Lauren, I hear the Lord calling you an author. And I, I felt like Sarah Um, from the Bible who laughed when the Lord told her that she was going to have children because she was so old. It just felt so impossible. And to me, in the middle of 
the mess that I was in, I did not have any capacity to think about writing or becoming an author. And then on the other hand, I also hadn't even been a good writer. I mean, I didn't enjoy school. I never liked reading. It just wasn't my my thing. I mean, I went to college. I did enjoy college more, but when I was younger, it just was not my thing. But my husband said, Lauren, let's just declare that God can do whatever he wants to. And so my act of faith was just to declare with my mouth, okay, Jesus, I believe that you can do the impossible. You can use me to write a book if you want to. So that was my small little act of faith. I forgot all about it. A year later, I'm in the car with my daughter and my son. We're on our way to to church. My husband was the associate pastor at the church at the time. So we were at the church a lot, but we were on our way to the church. And my daughter says, mom, can I ask you a question? She was seven. And I said, yeah, what is it? And she said, why are boys more important than girls? And I said, why would you ask that? I was really shocked. And she said, well, mom, it seems like God thinks boys are more important than girls because all we learn about in church are boys. And I said, well, what about, you know, and I started to mention Ruth and Esther and she said, yes, I've, I've heard of them, but we just don't talk about them in church. Like we always talk about the boys. And so in her mind to her, you know, there was this obvious, a subtle, but obvious thing that was happening in that as they always learned about these men in the Bible, she really took that to mean she's not important. I knew one of the things that we were learning about in church at that time was about Kairos moments. And a Kairos moment is when God intervenes in your day and you just know it's him. It's like a lightning bolt goes off and we all experience it. It's just whether we stop and we pay attention to it. So we were learning about paying attention to Kairos moments and that when they happen, not if they happen, but when they happen, we're supposed to ask ourselves two questions. What is God saying to me and what am I going to do about it? So it's taking action with what it is that God's speaking. And I think that's where we get stuck a lot of times, right? Is we don't necessarily take action on the revelation that God gives us. Because we were learning about that, I knew this was a Kairos moment. And I knew I needed to do something to to answer her question. And so I ended up, I thought, I'm going to just Google a book and get her a book on the women of the Bible. And we'll just take time going through it. And at the time, there were only two books that I found about women in the Bible. And those two books portrayed the women as princesses, which is not a bad thing. You know, kids, girls, little girls, a lot of times are really drawn to princesses. Nothing wrong with that. But it also doesn't help us understand that these women were ordinary people like you and me. You know, when we think of princesses, they're more royalty. They're kind of separate from us. They're put in a you know, at, at a level above us. And I wanted my daughter to know, cause I'd read the Bible. I knew the, there are some awesome women who experienced fear. Like I did in my life, I experienced so much fear. These women experienced fear, different types of fear in their life, but they chose Jesus over their fear. They chose to trust him in the middle of their fear. And And he did miraculous things in their lives because of their faith. And so I thought, gosh, I need to teach my daughter about these women. Uh, One of the other issues that I found uh, when I was 
trying to decide if I should purchase a book on Amazon for her was that all of the the illustrations for these women were Caucasian and it just isn't accurate. First of all, it's not accurate. Second of all, it, it is again giving the impression that God only uses Caucasians. And as Americans, first of all, we're the ones who a lot of times send send Christian stuff into the rest of the world. And so not only for America, America itself needs that diversity because we're a diverse nation. But then when it goes out into the rest of the world, I wanted kids in Africa and Asia and, and Pakistan and everywhere to be in India to be able to see themselves in these stories. And so that was that had always been kind of a, a pet peeve of mine when I would see that, but that struck me even more when I'm thinking I want to teach my daughter about these women. So that's when I knew, okay, I'm going to start writing these stories down for my daughter and retelling them to her in a fun way. And she loved my stories. And I realized, I think other girls and even boys have maybe have this same question the girls might have the same question and and not even really be able to articulate it, but the boys need to know about these amazing, strong, dynamic women of the Bible. And you can be strong in different ways. You can be strong and still be quiet. You can be strong and still be loud. God likes to use all sorts of people. But the ones that I was finding from the bookstores were more talking about these women made them seem like they were almost perfect or just kind of quiet and, and, and subservient, which being subservient to God is a good thing. But you don't have to be quiet because there's loud people and there's quiet people and there's all sorts of people. I just realized I, I got to make this book happen. And so I I ended up self-publishing originally. So back when my daughter was seven, so six years ago, I ended up self-publishing just the Old Testament women because I loved the Old Testament. So I started there. And so I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to self-publish this. And so I did. I had an illustrator. It was wonderful. I ended up selling over a thousand copies on my own just because when you self-publish, it's all on you. And so it was really hard and uncomfortable. And that was another level of fear that the Lord used to, to just help me get rid of fear because it's kind of self, you know, you seems like you're self-promoting, even though you're not, you're wanting people to know about these awesome women of the Bible, but it's something you wrote. So it's just a weird dynamic, but I had to learn how to get in front of people and speak and share at different women's groups and at schools something that I never thought I would ever do. And so that was just another busting down of fear. It's that one foot in front of the other saying yes to what Jesus is asking. That's what what busts fear in the face. And so that happened. And then during COVID is when the Lord began to put on my heart, it's time to write the New Testament women. And so I did. And once I wrote those, I brought it to my editor, to an editor friend, and I said, Hey, what do you what do you think about helping me with this? And she said I have a connection with an actual publisher in New York and I think they're going to love this. And so she introduced me and then they loved it and they wanted to put both the Old Testament and the New Testament together in one book. So that's what I have. It's called She Rose of the Bible, which is obviously just in the women heroes. So she rose <laughs> um, of the Bible and it has 20 stories. And it's about, it has 26 women that I talk about in those 20 stories that did incredible things for God. And you've got gals like Hannah who experienced fear 
through, am I ever going to have a child? You know, that was her thing. Like, I want to have a child. That's her biggest hurts desire. But when she did, when God blessed her with a child, she entrusted him to God, gave him back to the Lord and allowed God to raise him in the temple with the priests. And then his, her son ended up being this huge figure in, in Israel, bringing so many back to the Lord that were, that were straying from God because of her sacrifice. But then she ended up having five more kids. So God blessed her with more children as she entrusted the very thing that she, um, had dreamed of and and hoped for. And so that's one story of fear. Then you have Deborah, who's on the cover of my book, you know, you've got Deborah and then you have JL who, you know, Deborah was a warrior and, and fought battles, a a battle for the Lord, but she also was a, a prophetess. So she experienced the Lord and she was a judge in Israel and led the people. So she is a strong woman out there leading the charge in battle. And then JL ends up killing the bad guy, the the, the evil king that was coming to k- destroy the Israelites. So they tag teamed without even knowing each other. God used these two women to really set Israel free. And they were free for 40 years because of what these women did. So anyway, there's story after story from New Testament and old of, of women that did amazing things. That's so cool. <laughs> um, I'm still, I'm still learning the Bible. I'm, I'm a new Christian, yeah. so I'm still oh, reading. Amen. Yeah. Um, so I have no, I have like no idea. I would probably, you know, want to read this myself. And I have two yes. daughters yeah. that, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to teach them. They're almost, one's almost four, one's going to be two in May. Love so they're it. little, but this is definitely something I'd love to uh, share with them because I have no idea. And I'm trying to, you know, trust the Lord and everything. So I just, I love what you're doing with that. That is so cool. Thank you. And on that note, I've had a lot of adults say, I'm buying this for me because I don't know about the, you know, some of the women we talk about all the time in the church, but others, we really don't. And so it's some of the people are, you know, some of the women are, it's a big surprise, you know, who's in there. It's fun. I didn't know women were warriors back then. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. That's so cool. And I love history too. So Me too. And I I really studied a lot of the cultural context and the historical context is so important to me to make sure that I tried to get as accurate as possible. That's awesome. So I I like to take notes (laughs) so I can go back. Yeah. Um, One of the big things I, I wrote down is that you had, you know, that anxiety, um, after you having children and um, yeah. just a lot of doubt and that fear kind of creeps back in. And I love that was put on you to be an author. And you're just like, what? I don't, <laughs> I don't write. What is yeah. that coming from? And, and that you, you trust him in that moment where it's so strong and that you need to take action with that. Yeah. I, I can relate. That's why I'm doing this podcast. I yes. was like, I was totally led to do this. I was like, I don't know anything about podcasting. You just got the wrong girl. This is not. For me. <laughs> yeah. And then when they put that, when he puts that on you, it's so strong. You can't deny it. You're like, okay, your hands are up. You're like, I will trust you in this. And that's um, right. That's so cool that you're doing that. Think of all the people that will be blessed through your podcast, through all the people that you're going to interview and hear their testimony and you're getting their testimony out to people because you said yes, even though that was your form of busting through fear. Big time. That's vulnerable to put yourself out there like that. Yeah. So that's a big deal. The fact that you're talking about ordinary women that 
have different types of fear, have different types of things that are holding them back. Yeah, I think anyone reading this book can relate, even if they're not a kid. Like I, I totally want to read it myself. Right. And, <laughs> and, and, and that everyone has a talent. Everyone has something that they can do to glorify God in their own way. And he yes. will reveal that to you. And even if you think you're like, no, you're crazy. I'm not doing that. Yes. He, he, when it's that strong, you have to trust him and just let him lead you through this. Because uh, now that I've been doing this, been doing this since August, it's October now. I love just sitting down, talking to people, letting them share their stories. And without a doubt, I know that I'm supposed to be doing this. And I love right. it. Amen. <laughs> and I'm sure you feel the same way with, with yes. your books and everything. That's You're just like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Like, yeah, I need to be doing this. Now I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm coming alive when I'm, when I'm, <laughs> you know, going and sharing about it or doing podcasts or speaking at events. I'm like, oh my gosh, I love this. But that was something that the Lord had to pull out. Yeah. And he wants to do that with other people. I'm so glad you said that because it's more than just, obviously, God does not call everybody to be an author. He calls some people to do podcasting. He calls some people to uh, love on the poor. He calls some people to just really focus on their, I think everybody's called to focus on their family. I think we forget sometimes how being a mom or a dad impacts the next generation, but that is a powerful calling um, to be a mama and to be a dad. And so that's one way, but then there's also, there's always going to be something else too, that the Lord has for you. You just may not know what it is yet. So it's God, what is it? What do you, what do you have for me? Sometimes that's dangerous. It's sometimes a dangerous question. You're like, okay. Yeah. Because then it might be really scary when you when you step out, but it's I promise it leads to everything you want. Just share one last thing too, if if possible. But mm-hmm. one of the things that I love to share with people is that I remember I have a I have a really good friend who was going through drug addiction. And um, she was dealing with her own fears and then she was self-medicating, right? Um, and so she saw a counselor and her counselor asked her a question. And I thought this question was so profound. And it's for everybody. Um, He said, hey, what is on the other side of fear? And my friend thought about it for a minute. And she's like, I have no idea. And he said, everything you've ever wanted, everything your heart has desired, everything that God has for you is right there on that other side of that bully, fear. And so how do we get to the other side of fear? And knowing that that is a bully, knowing that fear is a bully and it's stopping you is the first thing, right? Is recognizing it. And then how do we get to the other side? It's only two simple steps. The first is we got to have a relationship with Jesus because he's the only one who can knock that spirit down. He's the only one who can knock down fear. Um, And so when we have Jesus, when we've surrendered our life to him and we say, Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead and I want you to come and live inside my heart. I want to surrender my life to you. Then he has full authority to come and knock down that spirit of fear. Okay. So that's the first thing. And then the second thing is daily surrendering by saying yes to him. So whatever he's putting in front of you, it's literally just saying, God, what are you asking me to do? And what am I going to do about it? And sometimes he has, he had me, my, my, what are you asking me to do was the same thing for about two years. It was put one foot in front of the other and get the word out about the book. That was the main thing that I had to focus on. And that was hard enough. 
And then sometimes it changes from day to day for different people. Maybe he says, I want you to go and pray for that person that you see over there that's having a hard day. And that's really scary for you, but you're being obedient. You're busting down fear by doing that. And you're walking towards your calling and you don't even know it. And so it's really awesome how God works that even through those, those either what can seem like a small action is huge in the spirit and it helps you propel you closer and closer to that calling that God has for your life. Um, and so those simple yeses are how we defeat the enemy. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and even when you like do that little thing to someone, that could be everything to them. And you have yes. an idea and, and God just wants you to, you know, say hi or, you know, just whatever. It could just be that thing that they needed. You'll yes. never know, but you just have to totally trust and surrender every day. And, and yes. the things that he does is amazing through those who are willing to trust and be obedient yes. and the reward of that. It's just like a peace. I feel so peaceful now. I feel fulfilled and the amount of, of love towards other people that I never had before yeah, is just amazing. And it's like, okay, you're right. I totally understand. This is, this is for right. you. And it's so beautiful Amen. to do that. I agree. Fear will is is from the enemy for one, and because he doesn't want you to do anything, he wants you to yes. sit on your butt and scroll through whatever and not do anything for yes. God's kingdom, nothing. And so when he places that fear for you, he's just making you paralyzed. And when you said, right. "What is um, over fear? What is past that? It's everything," and that is so true. Yes, so true. Yes. Everything you've wanted in your whole life, everything you've desired. And you're like, how do I get there? Now, you yeah. know, it's so simple. Surrender to Jesus and then say, what do you want me to do? And what am I going to do about it? And, that, and that's what I want to encourage someone if they're, if they're on that fence of like, God's putting something on you, a project or whatever it is. And that kind of yeah. fear holds you back from doing it. I, I got to the point where I was like, I don't even care. Don't even care about it. I'm just going to do the podcast like, and just jump in. Right. Well, thank you. Uh, Lauren, do you have Amen. any final words for our listeners today? I don't think so. I mean, I think just the the main thing that the last thing that I shared is so important. And then, hey, if you're looking for a scripture, I know you had said that, you know, you, you love to, to know scripture that people love. I would really just encourage everybody to read Psalm 18. Psalm 18 is life-changing. It was for me because it is an entire story of redemption for David. And it goes from he's literally drowning and he's saying the cords of death entangled me, you know, the torrents of destruction coiled around me. Like he's going, he's like, I'm dying. But he says, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and he answered me. He heard my cry in heaven. And so, and then it goes, talks about how God heard his cry and reached down from heaven and drew him up out of the waters and rescued him and set his feet on a rock. But then it talks about how as his feet is on, is on a rock, then the Lord equips his hands for battle. And then he's becoming this warrior. And then all of a sudden he's in charge of other people. And people, he says, people I, I don't even know are bowing down to me. And so he went from the beginning of it of just dying to, or you could say being trapped in fear, whatever, however you want to look at that, to God moving him into his calling and into his purpose. 
And that I feel like is my testimony. It's so many people's testimony, but we all feel like we're drowning sometimes and we just need Jesus to rescue us and set our feet on that rock. And then please equip us and get us ready to serve and love others. Well, Lori, I wanted um, I wanted to also have our audience know where they can find your book, if it's going to be out at a certain date, just all that information where they can find you. Yeah, thank you. On my website um, currently is where you can purchase my book, and then it'll be out officially December 7th. It'll be on, right now it's on Amazon, and pretty much a lot, a lot of online re- retailers have it for the ebook. So the ebook is available there, but it will be physical copies will be available everywhere December 7th. But on my website, if you order direct from me, then I sign your book and then I can, you know, put in a fun bookmark and, and mail that off to you. So that's available, the hard copy, you know, so to speak, it's, it's a paperback, but the hard copy is available now through my website, which is laurenlnelson.com. So Lauren is spelled L-A-U-R-E-N and then the letter L and then Nelson, N-E-L-S-O-N.com. And then you can also find me on Facebook or Instagram. Awesome. And I'm going to leave all that information down in the the show notes so people can easily find that there. Well, thank you so much for sharing not one, but two testimonies (laughs) with me. That was, that was so great. I, I feel so blessed to be here and listening to you. And I'm sure this is going to help someone out there somewhere in their journey. Yeah. So thank you so much, Lauren. Thank you. With this podcast, I also want to make sure that everyone listening hears the gospel. So if you're listening and you've heard the gospel, but you're not really sure what it means, you've grown up in church and you've heard it preached, but the words kind of just go in one ear and out the other, and you haven't really experienced a true change or have a heart for Jesus. So I want to give you a summary of what the gospel is. The gospel means good news. And yeah, it is definitely good news, and here's why. God created man in his image. He made us to worship and to be in full relationship with him. Everything he created was good. And then man sinned by disobeying God's command when Eve ate that fruit in Eden. Basically, they thought that they knew best and that they could figure out the rules for themselves and they could take it from here. If you have small children, do you notice how they disobey at such a young age? No one teaches them that. This rebellion is a part of that fall from Adam and Eve and it's basically a curse and God created us to have free will so unfortunately this is what they chose because God is so glorious perfect and just he cannot have a full relationship with the sinner as he intended Romans 6 23 says for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord so hang on to this for a minute I'm going to take you through why the Bible is so important and why it's the living Word of God throughout the Old Testament you will find that man is constantly sinning God gave them rules and the Ten Commandments to live by one of the ways they atoned for sins was to sacrifice a spotless lamb but of course they would sin again and have to do this over and over again God made sure that his commandments 
commandments and rules would be followed by the Jewish people over time, and he preserved his words in the Jewish Torah over thousands of years. A few hundred years before Christ came, he let the prophets of the Old Testament know what he was going to do about the sin problem. They stated that God would send his son to save the world, and this was also preserved through time. Now, when Jesus came, there were many Jewish people that did not like what he was teaching. The religious leaders of this time, they did not have a heart for what he was trying to do. A lot of the people misinterpreted the prophet's message that the Messiah would free the Jewish people from oppression, and specifically at that time, the Roman Empire that was ruling over them. But that was not God's plan. His plan was for a Jew and non-Jewish people, also known as Gentiles, to be saved and to be a part of his kingdom. When Jesus was crucified, his last words before dismissing his spirit were, it is finished, meaning that he was fulfilling the prophecy that he would die. He would be the perfect lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice, to take on God's wrath for sin for everyone that believes in him. He was fully God and fully man. He was always there throughout time. Basically, he took the punishment that we all deserve. Now, we have all sinned. Every single one of us. Nobody is perfect. Even as young children, we lie, we dishonor our parents, and that is still a sin in God's eyes. No one is exempt here. God took it upon himself to solve that problem, to let us be in a full relationship with him, and when we are in a full relationship with him, the gifts that he gives with that are so amazing. One of the things that Jesus said before he descended into heaven was that I am going to send a friend to you as promised. That friend is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a third person in the Trinity. He is there to remind us that we are never alone. He dwells within us. He guides us. He protects us. He gives us peace when we dwell with him. And if you look up the fruit of the Spirit, that will help you understand what he does. Most of the world has heard John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And that's kind of it in a nutshell. We're all sinners. God solved that problem by sending Jesus. And he requires us to trust and believe that he is the Messiah and to make it known to others and to walk with him for the rest of our days. And I promise he will never fail you. We also must turn from our sin or in other words, repent. We walk differently than how we were before knowing Christ. And these testimonies should show how amazing and freeing his grace is. One of the most beautiful things that I'm learning is that God's promise for full redemption of all creation. He promises that all believers will live with him as first intended in Eden. He will wipe away all sin forever, no more tears, a new heaven, and a new earth forever. And you can find this in Revelation 21. I hope this helps make sense of what the gospel is. I encourage you to read the New Testament, maybe use the Bible app if you don't have a physical Bible, but there are tons of resources there to help you understand. Please get in the Word. There are a lot of Christians out there that are self-proclaiming that they have not read the Bible. I was one of them. I never touched it. I didn't get it. Now I cannot get enough of it. Another thing that is so important to realize is that you cannot gain salvation by doing good works. We cannot earn our way to heaven. The reasons why Christians do good things is because we are saved, not to be saved. So if you're stuck in that thought that you have to constantly redeem yourself, Jesus died for that. He is the one that did it. So because you're saved, you want to do good things, not the other way around. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. Jesus also simplified things for us. Because there were so many rules, actually over 600 rules in the Jewish Torah, he simplified it with this. All of the commands are so simple. Love your Lord your God 
love other people as you do yourself. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope this encouraged you to get in your Bible. If you have not read it in a while, reach out to a church maybe and get plugged in. It is so important to walk with others in this journey. We are not meant to be alone in our walk with Christ. I also want to leave you on this note. When you're reading the Bible, think of this. The entire Bible from start to finish is about Jesus. Read it with that perspective and I promise it will change your life. Psalms 105.1 says, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. I hope that these stories resonated with you. There is such a beautiful power in what Jesus can do in our lives. If you would like to share your testimony, you can email me at tellyourtestimonypod at gmail.com or you can find me on Instagram at tell me your testimony pod and reach out there if you enjoyed today's podcast all i ask is that you consider leaving a review as it helps the show get recommended to more people and of course i appreciate you sharing it with your friends as well thank you so much for being here and i'll be back to share more testimonies next week god bless